0: Hey, friends, welcome to uh, Virtual Roundtable here at TREACH. My name is Reverend Doug Meyer, and I'm going to be kind of your moderator, host, and uh, overshare. Uh, This morning, we're going to talk about worry, stress, and anxiety. Uh, Have those ever uh, visited your house, or have you ever visited them? Uh, Start thinking about it. We've got two great friends that are going to share their stories. I'll sprinkle mine in a little bit on the side. Welcome, Lee and Jeff. Uh, Lee is... um, A very creative person. She works for a startup software company here in Dallas, correct? Yes, that's correct. She's also an independent filmmaker. Wow. That just sounds really cool. I mean, I don't know what all you're filming yet, but I think that's really super cool. And uh, comes ready to share some of her story. Jeff is an architect, works uh, in designing space for multifamily. Is that the right way Mm -hmm. to say that? Okay. Um, Grew up in Grand Prairie is brand new uh, dad, just adopted two sons. I can't imagine that bringing any worry, stress, or anxiety to your life. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, For those of you who are brand new to this, uh, Treach dreamed up this idea of kind of um, encountering, opening up the door, opening Pandora's box, whatever you want to call it, to uh, the whole subject of which way is up about our mental wellness, and how we can be uh, vulnerable, honest, super honest, that we all have stuff, right? Don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't have stuff, and if they do, I think they're probably, if they say they don't, they're probably lying. Um, we all do, so let's talk about it, and what better place to do that than a church? Churches should own that and facilitate helping people find wholeness and healing in whatever way it comes. So, that said, um, Welcome. Grab a cup of coffee or soft drink or whatever is appropriate while you're uh, watching this. And um, let's just kind of get down to it. Uh, I don't know which one of you guys wants to jump into this first, but I wonder, like, how old were you when you first had an awareness that, uh, and maybe didn't have the language for it, but worry, stress, or anxiety, um, there was something cooking inside you that felt different?
1: Um, I would say that my earliest recollection was probably in high school. Um, I think there was a semblance in my mind that I knew I was queer, but I didn't really want to come to terms with it, um, and I didn't know how. And so when you ask me, Doug, what kept me up at night, it was that, it was grappling with my own identity, right? A really common saying, at least in the queer community, is that the first person you need to come to terms with Um, is yourself and a lot of times that can be the most difficult coming out experience Um, and so that kept me up at night and how that would manifest is I I'm just in my head a lot and so it's everything is very internalized and I'm running through a lot of scenarios in my head all the time and the way that manifests physically externally is just through my body language, I'll, you know, shake my leg a lot, um, and clean incessantly, so, which is helpful, I guess, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's my earliest recollection in high school.
0: Yeah, so did it, uh, did it ever become a hindrance, like academically, or socially, did your parents ever say, get over it, what's going on, or, I mean, how did it manifest itself outwardly, Would I've known that you were feeling any of those, if I was doing life with you?
1: Being an Asian American, um, what that entails is on the Asian side, we didn't really talk about feelings in, you know, my parents' household. And so if I was visibly upset, I mean, my parents wouldn't really know how to ask. Um, And so I can't recall ever say, you know, expressing to my parents oh, I'm feeling sad today, it just never came up. Or, oh, I'm feeling really angry, but I didn't know how to verbalize that to my parents, like if they had done something that upset me. Um, And it wasn't until college that I learned what, you know, what it means to be a healthy communicator. And uh, it never hindered my experience at school, socially or academically, but, you know, especially when I was with my friends. Then I didn't, it wasn't something I really had to think about. But again, going back to your initial question, it was at night where it was just me and my thoughts and my mind just kept running.
0: Oh yeah. Our thoughts, man, that factory never closes, does it? It doesn't. Jeff, how about you?
1: Yeah. I think similar to
2: Lee's story, just about coming out. um, I'm a little bit older than her, but um, I think, especially for my generation Uh, Gen X, it was a little bit more, I mean, it was easier in some ways, but more difficult. Um, That was just this overriding gray cloud that was always there. You know, how is this going to affect the rest of my life? How is it going to affect my family and, you know, extended family and friends? And it's just, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot to carry. And I'm kind of a personality type that doesn't want to, inconvenience or impose on anyone else. So I really internalize that a lot.
0: A lot is going on in your world. Two little boys, just like suddenly overnight almost, right? Pretty much. (laughs) So how how are you helping, let me rephrase that. How are you practicing, and maybe it's so new you don't even know yet, not passing on your worry and anxiety to them?
2: Um, Not very well. <laughs> I'm trying um uh what I would say about these boys they really are great boys, they have really sweet spirits, um they're very loving, affectionate, bright, and you know they're just so thankful, I think to have finally a forever home and a forever dad and a forever dog um because they've never really had that, you know, they're seven and almost nine. So, I mean, imagine being that age and never having that stability. So I have to work on my end to not be so hard on myself. You know, I try to, you know, like all of us do the best that I can. Uh, But I'm honestly in survival mode. They've been in my house for barely a week. And I just have to prioritize like, okay, these are basics that we need to do. And some of the other things that I'm used to doing, keeping a clean house or, you know, that kind of thing. um, I just have to give myself some grace, but the boys are good about, you know, helping in the ways that they can. Their bathroom is really clean, which is surprising, you know, for two little boys. So, Um, but they, you know, last night was, oh gosh, last night was tough. they, they have a history of complex trauma. Um, they would be in some ways cons- considered special needs. So, my oldest, he had a meltdown last night, and it's it's hard for me to deal with because, uh, you know, the the degree to which he melts down is not commensurate at all with whatever the inspiring incident was. Right? It's It's not age appropriate, right? It's for something that's much younger. But I have to remind myself that he didn't receive what he needed when he was much younger to be able to soothe and self-regulate. He doesn't have that. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's tough. But last night's meltdown was not nearly as long as last weekend's meltdown. You know, so I'm seeing some progress. And then when it was over, he just... He came out of his room and was loving and, you know, he's back to himself. So I'm, I'm just hoping that it gets to that.
0: Um, I can imagine that that is like an everyday, um, I mean, I know you chose and you're full of love for it, but probably also exhausting like a whole, you found a whole (laughs) new level of tired. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: And then by the time we were all ready for bed, everybody showered, teeth brushed, then my dog hopped up on the bed, and peed all over it. Well,
0: that was just the just exclamation like, mark of the day. I
2: know. <laughs> uh, so I've just ripped. Uh, anyway, it, was, it wasn't It was my <laughs> finest moment, but it was like, okay, I've got to, you know, strip the sheets. I've got to crate him. You know, I've got to get these boys asleep. And And I told him, I said, look, on Saturdays and Sundays, please don't wake me up before 7, you know, if – unless it's an emergency and they were really good about it. and they they picked up on that and they're like are you okay dad or can, is it do you need a hug you know um and they didn't wake me up until 7 but at 700 you know uh, which is fine but i guess uh, i don't even remember the question but i feel, <laughs> but i feel like that was my night last night and uh you know i did the best i could with it you know, I'll hopefully continue to do better. But, you know, I had a whole, before they came in, ways of, uh, you know, eating healthy and on a regular workout schedule, uh, you know, a midday walk with my dog. You know, those were things that were really helping my mental health that I'm not really able to do now. So like I said, right now I'm in survival mode. Once I get those basics figured out, then I think I'll be able to better tackle those other things. But I've been preparing for this for a while and I knew that at first I'll be in the trenches and, and I'll be okay. Uh, and you know, until I kind of get that down and have a comfortability to start, okay, what do I need? Right. So,
0: Yeah. I think self-talk is a really important resource to tap into, to, to, For instance, you know, uh, worry, stress, anxiety give us opportunities to learn how to self-manage, right? Whether that's self-talk or just knowing, you know, um, hey, what we're in right now isn't a forever. It's a stage, and we're all going to grow out of this and to extend huge amounts of grace to yourself. And then pretty soon you'll learn, you know, uh, chicken tenders, Cheerios, uh, you know, wet wipes. I mean, there's just things that i can imagine like um be be kind to yourself because everybody else who has kids they got the starter package you know i mean they got to slowly creep into where you are and suddenly you just were like boom on and uh i can't imagine i mean kudos to you for a wanting to do that you're a hero in my book for doing that and um Imagine imagining the huge life investment that you're putting in those boys, and the forever ripples out that that's going to have. So, you know, maybe if you just go there and go, you know, this story's going to have a happy ending. Right now, you know, we're having a hard time scratching it out, but you know, something
2: in what you just said, something that I've always done is even in those darkest moments, I, I mentally fast forward to that point to where it'll be okay. Whether it's right after I came out to my parents, I knew it would be horrible and it was, <laughs> but I knew that at some point it wouldn't be right. And, uh, you know, I know at some point with the boys, we'll be on a, a good schedule some point, you know, at work. And that has been kind of a coping mechanism for me to, um, be able to just know that everything will be okay. You know, I, I have that end goal in mind. I can visualize it. I can see it. And then that helps me to kind of break down all those little steps in between to help get me there.
0: I think that's a great, um, mental gift. You know, otherwise I think we would all just feel like we were in a big old dark sinkhole <laughs> and ready to throw in the towel or let go of the rope. Say a word or two about, um, like your tribe, your immediate group of folks right now that you're doing life with, does it ever come up? Do you have other friends? Y'all talk about worry, stress, anxiety? Is that a, hey, let's go have a glass of wine and talk about, I mean, how does that get verbalized? What's the context for that, Lee?
1: That's every situation with my friends ever. Um, So my wife and I are very adamant about asking those deeper questions, right? Just because I don't want to see you and, you know, spend this precious time together and talk about the weather or like, Oh, look at that dog walking. (laughs) And so, and so, you know, if it's, if it's been a while, and even if it hasn't been going beyond, Oh, what's new in your life, what's going on to, you know, Hey, what was the most devastating part of 2020 for you? Or, um, What's something, ha- what's something that has made you feel anxious recently, right? So those conversations, and th- they do happen. Um, my, I think I'm very fortunate to be someone who, you know, is with someone who's also a social butterfly. So we are f- we're very comfortable navigating situations where there's a lot of people we don't know. Um, we're in- my wife and I are both incredibly friendly, I would say. And so when we first moved to Dallas from California, she has one cousin here. We didn't know, you know, much like what Jeff said, Um, we didn't really know anyone in this new city. And so it wasn't until we took the step to visit churches and our first destination was Oak Lawn, that we really met a community of friends who are, you know, now our best friends today, Alyssa and Jeff included. And so how that has manifested is, you know, we're very adamant about maintaining these relationships, um, about checking in with each other. And I I already feel comfortable talking to anyone because I'm an oversharer. But also, I'm not afraid to dive deeper into what makes me sad or angry or upset with my friends. And everyone is very receptive to these conversations, so that also
0: helps. I wonder if that doesn't help in a way... um it kind of serves, in my mind, what I'm hearing is like, it's my backup therapy. It's kind of like my, uh, my community where I feel safe, where I can share pretty much anything, and um, I can be honest, which is, you know, I think kind of novel in a culture that's all about achievement and about, you know, uh, excess and this and that. Jeff, do you have that same kind of community? Do you have, I'm picking up on maybe you also are a participant at Oakline? Yeah. And
2: in fact, you were talking about my, our tribe and Lee is definitely a part of that too. I think that she and I share that same approach to friendship that, you know, I want to get down to the real stuff, right? I mean, uh, I want to have meaningful relationships and and interactions with people. This past year, obviously has been difficult for everybody. Um, I'm single. And uh, at the time, that we, the pandemic started, I was dating somebody. So I kind of went into the pandemic only seeing that one other person, right? Um, and then, you know, months into it, it, it didn't work out. So then, I mean, that was tough. I, I was kind of alone in that way. And then my dog ended up dying. I mean, it was just a lot of stuff. I mean, but I know that everybody has their own COVID story. So I haven't been as good about being proactive in maintaining relationships through the pandemic as probably I should have or would like to. But, you know, in normal times, you know, I, I see them at least once a week. Um, and even to a greater degree, you know, Lee and her wife both have agreed to be, uh, play an outsized role in my kids' lives they went through a a really rigorous vetting process and I, you know, they were happy to do it. I mean, and you know, I, I went through a similar pro I mean all the things that they've done, I've had to do too. So I understand that it's a lot of work and it's really inconvenient, but they did it with a smile and you know, we're really happy to do it. And you know, that's really touching to me. So, um, that's the kind of tribe that I have, you know? Sure. So even though we haven't been able to see each other weekly and in the same way as before, I have these deep abiding friendships that I know I can count on. And for somebody with my personality, like I said before, it's very, I'm very loath to impose on other people or ask people for other things. I think it's not natural for me to, advocate for myself, but I think, especially now that I've got these two boys in my life, it's very, well, it's much easier for me to advocate on their behalf and ask people like Lee and her wife to say, hey, can you go through this so that these boys will have a backup if they need to stay somewhere? And and I know that they have trusted, loving adults in their lives that our family so.
0: it's an interesting experience i bet to feel like sometimes i think we make up or i do well i have family they have to love me or put up with me but to have people who choose to love you and know you and still choose to love you you yeah. know um, remember years ago i think it was hillary clinton's book but i think that just that phrase it takes a village we all begin to experience the value of village and how village can be uh mutually supportive. You know, other people choose to invest in you, you choose to invest in them, and there is this great harvest if you would of trust and collegiality and intimacy and you know, I I want to believe that those are great anecdotes for worry stress and anxiety, you know. Uh, it's hard to prescribe though. So, I don't know quite how we get there other than telling everybody, "Hey, go find your tribe." <laughs> and that's really hard if you're not even sure who the heck you are. So, in your journeys, did anybody uh, was anybody ever dismissive of, like, when you began to verbalize worry, stress, and anxiety, did you ever get, like, stupid comments, uh, dismissive comments that were like, oh, you're great. I don't know what you have to worry about. Um, I know uh, my experience has been that sometimes, you know, I will, uh, what's the word, Perciver, perseverate on a, a subject so much – it just I know I drive the people around me crazy, but uh, anybody ever said, you just get over it. You're fine. Yeah. Jeff, what, yes. <laughs> really?
2: I mean, not to
0: throw people under the
2: bus, but I, I think that... Everyone <laughs>
0: will run, remain nameless.
2: Right. <laughs> um, I think that successive generations have, you know, the younger you are, the more open you are, the more... Apt you are to seek out whether it's therapy, whatever it is that's going to be good for your mental well-being. Uh, I think older generations tend to suppress that, and there's less of a—I mean, this is my experience. Let me say um, there's less of a desire or an inclination to do that kind of self-introspective work and and expose those vulnerabilities and weaknesses as things, that, okay, I really need to address. I think, especially with older generations, there tends to be a stigma around therapy or anything that kind of has a touchy-feely, um, you know, mental wellness, that kind of thing. So um, I know, and, you know, when I've struggled before, uh, you know, when I brought that to you know, the, the trusted older people in my life, I don't think that they receive that in the way that I had hoped. Um, so I, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was a teenager and that, that was a huge, and actually that may have been even before the coming out the, the biggest worry and stress. Um, so but that was something, too, that I was like, okay, something's wrong with my body. Something's not right. And I was kind of trying to advocate for myself, like, I need to go to a doctor. I need to see something. But it's not something you can see, right? Um, it wasn't until one day I woke up and, I mean, my fingers were like purple sausages. And I was like, okay, I, this is not right. <laughs> you know, that it was kind of, oh, okay, well, there, you know, there is something to it. it it's not just... Um, So I I think that that's a good example of it took a physical manifestation of what was going on in the inside for the people around me to recognize that, okay, you know, this is something that needs to be addressed.
0: So Lee, I'm familiar a little bit with you and your story, and I understand that you've just come out of some uh, pretty challenging seasons as well. Do you mind kind of opening that door for us as much as you're comfortable?
1: Yeah, of course. So for m- a majority of the pandemic, I felt like we had gotten into a really stable day-to-day routine and as much as I love spontaneity, I also really love predictability. And so there was the it was the 3rd week of February where again life was going as normal and I had a huge curveball thrown at me. My mom had called at 11 11 30 pm and she said hey your sister's in a lot of pain should she go to the hospital and i was like what pain? like this this really just came out of left field and you know she puts the camera on my sister and we're we're trying to ask her questions about the pain you know on a scale of one to ten what is that like for you and i just feel like she was still downplaying it but she had said a seven a six or a seven and that was already a lot of cause for concern and so she wasn't crying yet but you know after a few minutes of being like hey you really don't need to suffer like this you know we have insurance like let's take you to the hospital that's when she started breaking down and crying because she just doesn't like imposing on anyone and so that's why i say she was probably downplaying the level of the pain and so my parents rushed her to the hospital and they're in california so i'm feeling really helpful helpless from dallas and my wife and i talked and she said you have to go home and i we were on the same page and so i had booked a ticket for the next day to fly back to california and i was there by 9:30 p.m on monday and it was just a really jarring experience because again i had gotten used to routine and then we find out my sister has a large mass in her abdomen. And no one wants to hear that, right? And so it was really scary when the doctors at the hospital that she went to said, this is too large for us to operate on. We need to transfer you to Stanford. And Stanford is a very great hospital and teaching institution, right? And so that freaked all of us out, right? What do you mean you can't handle this mass? And so that, you know, just catalyzed a really stressful month and a half for me because my parents, they speak English, but not as fluently as someone who grew up in the States. And so I was helping them navigate scheduling appointments and communicating what the doctor was telling me back to them in a way that they could understand while also trying to be this pillar of strength for my family. I I just what I knew internally and what everyone else was telling me was you really need to just hold it together. And knowing my sister's personality type, she she and I go to worst case scenarios all the time, but knowing that I knew I had to be uplifting and optimistic and in a way that was also not dismissive of her fear. Right? And so prior to that call on Sunday night, I had started seeing a chiropractor for just a week. And then I had to fly home. And it was during that month and a half or month that I was in California that my body just tensed up in a way I had never experienced before. And I started feeling physical pain, which was really tough. And going back to what we said earlier about me internalizing my fear and my worries, I feel like I was approaching an extreme and a threshold that I had never encountered before. And I went to a chiropractor appointment like before flying home and I didn't mention anything to him. And he was like, whoa, like your your nerves are super charged right now. They're overcharged. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, my body is already starting to react. And he had detected it. And so in California, you know, I really didn't have the energy to do anything because I was working at 6 a.m. instead of at 8. And there was nowhere for me to go to break down and cry and release everything that I had been holding internally. And so that was really tough because I felt like that was something I couldn't verbalize and really feel relieved by, right? Like it was so pent up and two weeks into it, three weeks into it, I had mustered the energy to go on a run, but even then I just felt so dejected. And the best way I can explain it is I feel like I was just holding my breath for that entire month because after the surgery, then it was also like, well, we have to wait two weeks to find out whether or not this mass is cancerous or not. It could just be a mass, but it could also be stage three ovarian cancer. And so um, we held our breath until the very last second in which they received the pathology results and they said, no, um, there's no cancer. Well, first it was cancer, but luckily it was localized in her right ovary And so there was no need for chemotherapy and now it's just going to be surveillance moving forward. But again, we had to, that was the month and a half part that we had to wait until. And gosh, something that I've been thinking about recently is the possibility of worst case scenarios coming true, overshadows any relief you feel when best case scenarios do happen. So it was ideal, right? That she got the surgery that she needed to make sure that it, the cancer wouldn't spread. But the trauma and the fear that we collectively experienced as a family, and as myself, and I wasn't even the one who had cancer, that's really gonna take some time to undo. Or not even undo, but to process. And so while i am breathing a little more easily and i feel less tense i still break down about that right and she's the weirdest part about this entire situation is that she's only 17 years old which was i which was why everyone was so concerned but wow we're all doing a lot better now thank goodness and i was talking to my mom the other day and like I said, for the first time, she's finally breathing more easily. We're all just more relaxed now.
0: You know, the word that comes to my mind, well, a lot it come to mind, I'm really glad that she's doing okay. But just exhaling sometimes. You know, when you have that consciousness of, like, you're just holding your breath and, and, and maybe even holding, you know, maybe uh, like swimming, going underwater, holding your breath. So... Today and tomorrow and the next day, what are going to be the things that you do that help you breathe deeper? Uh, maybe, you know, I don't know, do either of y'all skip? Do you just, like, frolic? I mean, what are the things that give you a giddy-up in your step? Is it, uh, gosh, hanging out with friends? Is it going to church? Is it not going to church? Is it, you know, where's your place that feeds yourself?
2: Right now, for me, it's very different. Right. Um, I, I get a lot of joy out of my boys if they're having a good day. Uh, like I mentioned before, they have a lot of a very complex history of trauma and, uh, but they really are genuinely good souls. So if, if I know that they're upbeat and having a great day that makes it all worth it for me um, so at home, that's that's what gives me joy. At work, I've been fully vaccinated and we're starting to go back into the office, which I've really missed a lot. Um, so this past week was my first week to be fully back in the office. And that has given me a lot of joy too. I love the work that I do, but I also love the relationships. I have there. And I think that there's just been a really great synergy. Um, I think there's been a renewed focus and, and we have a lot more work. We probably have three times as many projects now than when we did when we went into the pandemic. So um, that's great too. Um, I mentioned before about my tribe, You know, Lee and her wife, Alyssa, a lot of others. Most of them I know through church. We haven't had in-person church yet. Uh, We've been able to meet up in our own ways throughout, but it's not the same like it used to be. We're able to do it all the time. But I think for me, just knowing that if I reached out to any of them and said, hey, I need this, they would be there, so.
0: That keeps me going. Yeah. That's a, um, to be so uh, clear of un- your understanding of, uh, of being loved, it's kind of overwhelming sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, last, last chance. Any little nugget you would want to share? Maybe somebody's watching this, and they're just in the throes of uh, trying to figure out which way is up. And which way, what do I do next? I feel like I'm stuck in this loop of worry, stress, anxiety. What would you say to them?
1: For me, I'm constantly caught up in a state of planning for the future. And I have all my lists to power me through. Um, But for those who are always caught up in their own head and, you know, experiencing that mental anguish of running through these fake scenarios or um, just Overthinking, I would say that, and it's a practice that really needs to be um, drilled in. But if someone is in their head so much, then making an effort to do mental check-ins. So for myself, to not get so um, to not get so caught up in planning for the future that may or may not happen, I try to do mental check-ins while I'm cooking or while I'm outside playing with my dog. Just to make sure that I recognize how great of a life that I have the privilege of living, and just being present in that moment.
0: Oh, so. that's a uh, um, that's a great practice, Jeff. How about you? Do you have similar practices? Well, besides I think right now just trying to breathe and yeah. <laughs> but I think the. The one consistent
2: thing over maybe the past couple of years, actually, is I, I have a weekly therapy session. That's something that, you know, I mentioned before about that having a stigma. I don't think I ever had that hang up about it, but at the same time, I wasn't personally ready to start doing that. It just seemed overwhelming trying to find the right person, and um, I really... I really lucked out. I mean, he's like the perfect person for me. And like I said, we've been doing this you know, weekly just about for almost two years now. And I really credit him for helping me power through um, issues with my family, issues at work. Even where I am today, being a dad with these boys, there's no way I would have done that without his... You know, kicking the seat. You know, he said, "You know, this is something you've always wanted to do. Why haven't you done it?" And so he's kind of picking apart all my excuses, and then it's kind of like, okay. Yeah, why haven't I done that? So, I think I would strongly advocate that for anybody. You know, if you find the right person and if you're willing to put in the work, it can be so fulfilling and it has made all the difference for me. So, and even during the pandemic, just, you know, I like to be in person, but having a video chat, I just, I can have a lot of anxiety going into that. And then I can let it out and we can kind of talk it through. And I, there's just such a huge difference even after that one- hour session mentally even physically I feel like okay you know what I can tackle this I've, I've got the the tools and and somebody has helped set me straight to to be able to attack it so I would really encourage um, anybody that's on the fence about should I do that as I mean I wholehearted wholeheartedly advocate that
0: you know what what I make up from both of y'all and just my own personal experience is that You can't overvalue self-care, and that uh, whether it is being courageous, you know, in relationship to your own boundaries. But you know, get help, get help, talk about it, name it, Uh, turn to a trusted friend, turn to a strange, turn to somebody, right, and take that first step. uh, Whether it is you know, individual therapy, group therapy, a pastor, a best somebody. Start talking about it. You don't have to carry this big old load, right? You don't have to do that. you got a tribe out there that's just waiting to love you and care for you. you now, this has been great. Thank you. I feel like this is – we've had church in a way. This is kind of just a sacred conversation. And I, I so value your time and, and your willingness to, uh, to go there, to share, you know, the joys, your struggles, and all that. And I hope, uh, I hope it's been helpful, you know, because yeah. I yeah. think what we have just done is helpful for everybody and uh, we really appreciate that you've been a part of our uh, virtual roundtable conversation. And uh, if you want to get to know Jeff and Lee even more, I think they have agreed to a deeper dive conversation with Alyssa. Is this true? Oh, man, hold on. She's forcing true. us. <laughs> All right, well, those will be great. And in the midst of that, I think that there will be ways that you can follow up with them uh, through an email or just A, to say thank you, and B, maybe to ask them a question. So. Anyway, hope this has been helpful. Have a great day. Take care.